0: Welcome to episode 15 of the 24-Hour Hustle Show. And today we got special guest candidate running for PA State Representative Ariane Andrew Abney. the 24-hour hustle show i'm your host anthony freeze and today we got special guest arian on the show uh it is definitely a privilege and an honor to have you on i've seen a lot of the work that you've been doing uh via social media um and we also have a lot of mutual friends so uh when i got the opportunity to finally meet you i was like definitely got to get this guy on the show thank you, thank you. so uh, i appreciate thank you, for you coming having
1: me, on for having me man so it's a pleasure to be here it's an honor to be here 15 episodes in, so yeah. congratulations to you Appreciate for it. all the hard work and effort and dedication you're doing to uh, create this platform for people to be able to tell their stories and tell what's going on.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to get into this conversation with sure. you That's good. Um, because uh, I know when we sat down before, um, the conversation was great. I loved it. Um, I felt the chemistry was definitely high, so I'm definitely excited to get into this with you. Absolutely. So uh, how's uh, everything been going the past couple of days for you? How's everything going as far <laughs> very, as running as a
1: candidate? <laughs> very, very busy, very uh-huh. busy, as you can imagine. You know we have a we have a lot going on right now i, I know if anybody who knows me and kind of knows my background and my history knows that you know since my you know entire adult lifehood i really decided that i wanted to dedicate my life to a life of service mm-hmm. right and so whether that is my time when i would do community service um out into the different neighborhoods to my time when i worked in government and i did constituent services to my experiences in philanthropy and i'm a philanthropist and giving out over a million dollars in grants all across allegheny county to different nonprofit organizations to my time doing um community organizing and <coughs> creating the first ever um community and police relations sporting event in the city of pittsburgh ever nice um, you know so so for me i've always been about trying to improve the quality of life for people in the community and so this is just another extension of that. This is a, an opportunity for me to kind of continue that um, experience. And so, as you mentioned, we did launch a campaign for state representative mm-hmm. uh, for the 19th Legislative District. Um, so if, uh, it includes neighborhoods if anybody lives in the Hill District or Uptown, Downtown. Go over to the North Side, Manchester, Mexican War Street, Central North Side, Brighton, Brighton Heights, uh, Perrysville South, Perry Hilltop. Um, then over to the <coughs> south side, it has neighborhoods like Belts Hoover, Knoxville, Allentown, Arlington, parts of Oakland, Oak Hill, and then all of Hazelwood. Nice. So if you know anything about those, neighborhoods, it's a very eclectic mm-hmm. district, um, very diverse. It crosses all three rivers. Um, but, you know, as we've been going around and talking to people um, throughout the neighborhoods, a lot of the things that, that we've been hearing is that, you know, as Pittsburgh is going through this, this shift and this change in its identity and kind of what it's going to be for the next five or ten years in, into the future, you know, a lot of people are looking for some real leadership to be able to take us into that future. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I saw this as, you know, an opportunity to step up to the plate to use some of my experiences that, I, that I've had in philanthropy and politics and things of that nature and social work mm-hmm. to take on that leadership role and kind of move <coughs> people forward and move the district forward.
0: Nice. And leadership is definitely a big key in that. Absolutely. Um, it matters. I, I, oh, yeah, it definitely leadership. does. I'm a big uh, proponent of leadership and mm-hmm. you know and being able to inspire people to do good and mm-hmm. just be able to provide for the community. And and, I, and I, I what I really like what you are doing is you're actually putting in the work and doing it. Um, which is one of the things that I've noticed about you, and um, I, I love to surround myself with people that are trying to do good, uh, not only just for themselves but for the people around them. Absolutely. Um, because uh, those 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 things tend to come back to you when you do good uh, and you provide a good service to other people. Those Car- good things come back to Car- you. Car- was real, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's a real <laughs> I'm thing. It, yeah. Um so uh Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so 2018 is looking big for you. Yeah. I, I can say yeah, that yeah, for I like sure, on, and uh, I'm I'm excited about it. Um appreciate. Seeing how it pans out. So. Um, Like I like to do on every episode of this show, I always like to find out the origin story of somebody and just find, figure out where they've come from, what it, what's inspired them, what's influenced them, because sure. um, because there was a point in time where you weren't doing all these different things.
1: Not at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even on my thought.
0: So, uh, I, I, and I know for me, um, I didn't always you know think about doing media or doing a show and things sure. like that. So there's different things that influenced people throughout the years that, that makes their uh, decisions on what they want to do or become and, and things like that. So... You know, tell us your story, uh, you know, all the way back to the beginning. And, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, some of the things that has influenced you and uh, how you became to who you are today.
1: Yeah. So I I am actually a transplant here to Pittsburgh. I'm not originally from here. I'm from the east side of Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia. Okay. From Philly, West Philadelphia. We won't hold that against you. (laughs) West Philadelphia. Born and raised. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, <laughs> on the playground. You, yeah, I'm sorry. You, you know, no, no, it's cool because you know what? When I go and I speak to um, like high school students or high uh, school students, I always do that on purpose uh, to see if they still are going to like respond to yeah, it. Yeah. And, and like to my surprise, they they get the song and right. I say, well, a, what's <laughs> and like, oh, <laughs> And I'm like, "All right, I'm not that old. Okay, good." Yeah. I can still You're connect. like, people still know yeah. what the Fresh Prince is. I can still connect with them. I right. Connect with them. So so yes, yeah, so I, I was. I'm from uh, Winfield. It's a neighborhood in Philadelphia. It's called Winfield. Um, I am the youngest child, so it's my mom, my dad, and and my older sister. Um, I I would say we grew up, um, we didn't grow up with a silver spoon in our mouth, um, but we also didn't grow up in abject poverty either. Mm -hmm. So it kind of was this ebb and flow of experiences of good times um, and then hard times um, as well. And, you know, I, I look around and I think about, you know, for, for me, I had the fortune of being able to go to private Catholic school, me and my sister, mm. all our life. And I think that definitely um, has played a, a, a role in the foundation for who I am today. And while while I was there, I didn't really like it, right? Okay. <laughs> I, I Why can, is that? I complained to my, my parents because I was one of maybe like five black people. Okay. People who look like me and and throughout my K through 12 experience I only had one African-American teacher a woman African-American teacher really Right. so I never really got to see people <coughs> who Look like me, but I lived in a community where everybody looked like me mm-hmm. So all my friends that I would play with in the street or football practice track practice after school I would I would see them just during those times, but I wouldn't see them, you know, during the, during the school time. Mm-hmm. So so for me, it was a sort of a challenge to sort of find my identity being one of a few few black people. But you know, I, I look back, you know, everything high Size 2020. So you look back at it in retrospect. One of the things that it, it did for me was it instilled a lot of discipline. And mm. me because we had nuns mm. <laughs> at, at, <laughs> at our school. Um, but it, it also allowed me to interact with people who didn't look like me mm-hmm. and be able to um, be comfortable interacting with someone um, who didn't look like me so that when I became an adult, it wasn't like a, a tenuous kind of relationship or experience for me. So, right. I, you know, I, during the time I complained about when I talk to my parents now, I'm like, you know, I, I appreciate it. I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. Um, and so, you know, I, I would say on paper, we probably were like that lower middle class kind of um, thing. But in reality, we were probably like working poor, mm-hmm. right? So my mother was very um, smart in a sense at her early age, she understood the power of like land and ownership and, mm-hmm. and real estate. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't have a lot of cash, but what she did have was really good credit, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. She had really good credit and she still does. And so it, for, for me, that's why I take my credit so seriously because she instilled the importance in, and told me that credit is king. In mm-hmm. this society, credit is more is more is like gold. It's more powerful than than cash, and so she was able to take out mortgages and loans to be able to own like two or three properties where, that she rented out. Mm-hmm. So while that money would come in and then it would go to the bank, some of that leftover money that she was able to get, she was put towards our tuition mm-hmm. for us to offset some of the costs for, for my sister and I. Um, so I'm 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 forever um, grateful grateful for that. And then you know it's it's funny because when we grow up. We grew up, we didn't have cable, right? We didn't mm-hmm. have cable TV. And I was like one of the only kids in my school then I get one because I went to this private Catholic school. Right. So when I would go over to like their houses it's like, Oh, Nickelodeon <laughs> <laughs> What is this? You're like what is this Nickelodeon you speak <laughs> this of? Is cool. This is cool, but I I I can remember going to one of my friends' house, Caucasian friend and out in the suburbs, I'm just looking around it's like it's, it's, it was a different world it was like they got two car garages one has a mercedes in it the other one has a bmw mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying they got this big old this big old yard and i'm like okay this is different this is a different kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. and i'll never forget he would fourth grade he came over to my house and we're in the city and we're sitting on the porch it's him myself um and my mother and he goes to my mom he's like miss dawn um are, it, are we in the city? <laughs> like, but like the, the way he said it, he, it was like like he heard horror stories about it. He was like, we're in the city. He kind of looked around, I'm, right. and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, This, this, the home? this, my this yeah. is the big deal? not the big of a deal. Um, so so it was like this this dynamic of me being um in the, in this school and trying to you know fit in and find my place, but knowing that I'm I, I was actually different than everybody else. But I, I, I remember you know on several occasions where you know we would be in the house just watching. You know, on a Friday night, I don't know if you remember TGIF. Oh yeah, it's come on ABC, right? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So we didn't have cable, so that's all. That's all we re- right. re- re- watched. It, it was you know probably like Family Matters or yeah. Funny Song Video or something like that. Uh huh. And I, re- I remember dinosaurs. Um, yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Throwing back the retro. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I I remember, um, and we had like this. We had this the old school TV like the um, with the wood grain around it like the floor model zenith. Oh wow! TV. I had right? one of those too, so when I know one, what you're talking like the one, about. Like when they go out, you put a TV on top of it. Exactly. That's a TV. I, I
0: had one of those too. No right?
1: lie. So so we so we had we had we had those, but I can, I can remember on one time specifically like we we're sitting there, all four of us just watching TV, and like the power went out, mm-hmm. the TV went off, lights went off, everything, and so my dad gets up and looks at my mom, and then he goes down in the basement like to play with the the switch things down in uh-huh. the basement, but I get up and I look out the window and nobody else on the blocks lights are out what so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like oh maybe it was a power out or something like that yeah, but nobody yeah, else yeah. and so you know my dad comes back upstairs and it's, we made us go to bed we just go to bed and so I don't think nothing of it but later on when as I get older I realize he ain't paid electric bill you know right. what I'm saying so it, it was it was him making a sacrifice and saying okay well am i going to pay this election bill or am i going to pay my kids tuition to go mm. to the school because for him <clears throat> growing up he didn't have a college degree neither him or my mom had, had a college degree i'm the first in my family immediate family to graduate with a college degree nice and and he always said the school that he sent my sister and i to was a school that his mom wanted him and his brothers to go to and every time they drove by when he was a kid his mom would say i, I wish i could afford to send you to that school mm-hmm. and so he made a commitment he said when I get older and I have kids, I'm going to send them to that school. Nice. And so him and my mom just sacrificed so much for my sister and I to be able to kind of be where we are right now. So right. a
0: lot of so a lot of humble beginnings hum- for humble, sure. Humble
1: beginnings. And so you know, I, I I always tell people, you know, well, me realistically, I, I I am always in a position where I'm mindful that I'm could be one or two paychecks away from being in situations where people I'm trying to help them get out of those situations right Mm -hmm. and so while I may not right now live um, in those conditions I recognize them when I see them right you know what I mean so so when I see it I can identify with it and I can try to help to get people out of those conditions so so for me so fast forward a little bit, I grew up and I ended up coming to Pittsburgh Um, in 2006. Actually,
0: real quick, before we uh, get there, who was like some of the people that influenced you in your life that, you know, for the importance of like education and what made you to make the decision to get into social work when you uh, did come to Pittsburgh?
1: Yeah, so education has always been part and parcel of my life, right? My dad used to always say, my dad was big into athletics. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad plays um, semi-pro in uh, like a year of pro football, like he was on the scout team. Oh, good. The Jets, right, so he was always always in, into sports, but he always used, try to get my sister and I to use sports as a medium, and a platform to get an education. Right. right? So he, he would always say education is the great equalizer in a society. And you know, as a kid you don't really you not you don't really understand it, but as you get older you you understand it. Oh yeah. And he's like, yo, this like this doesn't rub off. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you're gonna need an education to be able to try to level level the playing field. Mm-hmm. So my dad always pushed that. Like if, if if we didn't have good grades, we couldn't go to football practice. Mm-hmm. We didn't have good grades, we couldn't go to track practice, stuff like that. So dad was a big influence dad, on your dad life? Dad was a big <coughs> influence and then he was also an influence and it's funny I had this conversation with him, you know, not too long ago because for a long time, I didn't know why I got into social work. I, mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know why I wanted to get into politics. I I didn't know why, you know, for me, helping people for me is all that I know how to do. Mm-hmm. Right, but I never understood why that was a thing. And, and it kind of hit me not too long ago, it was a lot because of my, well, a little bit because of my mother, because she, she would take us um, to go to like soup kitchens and help to you know feed people throughout in the neighborhood. So this is kind of where the services come yeah, from. Yeah, and so I and I can remember being in fourth grade and going to schools and sitting there with my mom in front of like kindergarten kids, and my mom and I would read to them. Mm. Right. So you know I could I wasn't the greatest reader, but I but I felt like you know these kids are like five six years old. Mm. And I feel like it's part of my responsibility to do it. My mom would take us that way. How old were you when you were doing this? So I was fourth grade. What is that like? Eight nine okay, eight nine years old. So okay. I would read to <coughs> kindergartners, um, and then she would take us like soup kitchens, and we would you know feed people. But, it, but I think it was because those were on occasion. Mm-hmm. But I think when I, for me, what really pushed me into it was my father, and the fact that he was um, a youth um, track and field coach. Mm-hmm. And so what he what he did, he did it for like 20 years. He did it for like just as far as I can remember back and he was one of the best youth track and field coaches known across the country. Mm-hmm. And really for him <coughs> watching him make sacrifices so that these young kids could go to college. So he was personally responsible for helping over like 20 young ladies get full scholarships to like division 1 universities for track and field. Mm-hmm. Like these are inner city kids who don't who don't come from a lot of means, don't have a lot of money probably couldn't afford college college on their own, but track was their vehicle. Like he saw that they could run, they had talent. Mm-hmm. So he cultivated that talent and and helped them get in, into college. And I'm talking about, these are like the University of Miami's, these are like the UCLA's, the mm-hmm. University of Houston's, like South Carolina, the big track programs, right? Right. And, and so for, for me, it was just what he did. But as I got older, I was like, I, he sacrificed a lot in terms of the time he didn't get paid for, it, it was an unpaid position. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was out there Monday through Friday and then on Saturdays going to track meets, like sometimes spending more time there than he was spending in the home sometimes, right? right. Because he, he 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 felt like it was his responsibility to, to help them. And so, you know, for me, as I got older, I, w- I talked to my dad, I was like, you know, I think seeing you do that and it was so natural for you, like I've seen him pay for kids to have their flights to go to like nationals to attract me, that's in California. Really? Like pay out of his pocket right. for them to be able to go. Because for them at 16 17 years old, that was national exposure. Right. Well, all the colleges are at these national events. So they're recruiting That's a big opportunity so for them. He will go out of his pocket for them to be able to, to go there and create op- opportunities and access to it. <clears throat> and so for me, you know, you know, he he would say like, you have a responsibility when you get to a certain position, and you have certain talents to give back to other people. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I, I think he instilled those type of traits in me. While as a kid, I didn't necessarily understand them, but as an adult, I definitely could appreciate them. And so that's that's kind of how I feel. I, I feel like it's you know I've been very fortunate in, in my life, mm-hmm. uh, where I've had access to opportunities that I recognize that not everybody else had. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I need to use my platform, my position, to sort of figure out how I can change the realities of struggle for people the same way my dad did for, for these, these young kids.
0: Right. So, yeah, it sounds like, you know, your mom and dad definitely influenced you greatly in a positive way with mm-hmm. to help develop your mindset a lot, um, which is true today because a lot of those things that you talked about with your, your mom, you know, doing the thing in the soup kitchens and, and being uh, just giving that service <clears> and seeing the sacrifices that your dad has made and the things that he's willing to do for people is definitely 100% rubbed off on you a lot um and it is rubbed off on your mindset and i and you can definitely tell that um because one of the reasons why i always like to find out and just hear people's stories Mm -hmm. is you you just get to figure out and and learn how they think and uh how their their thought process is and you get a different perspective on their way of life and and things like that Mm -hmm. so you you get the opportunity to learn a lot of new things Mm -hmm. just uh seeing through the eyes of someone else so, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of those things that you've been able to have up to that point has definitely helped a lot. So uh, getting to the point where you, you, you made it into the, uh, into Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. studying the social work. Um, what was that experience like? What was the college experience like
1: for you? So actually, so social work wasn't my first. When I, So social work, I got my master's in social work. So I came here um, at 17. Really, my motivation for coming to Pitt was, wasn't the greatest motivation. And when I talk to kids, I'm transparent and say, I really just came to Pitt. You know, because I want to get in my parents' house. okay. I said, hey, that's as, real. At 17 years old, <laughs> I just want to, like, spread my wings. Right, and, right. And find myself I would, mm-hmm. So I didn't visit Pitt. I didn't do anything. was like, just, I just need I to be I had out supplies, of and I was like, <laughs> it's far enough away, but still in-state where I could pay in-state tuition. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. um, So, so, so. You know, looking back at it, it, wasn't the best motivation and reasoning, but it was it was the best turnout that I could ever, you know, not even understood it was going to happen. And so I came here at 17 and I wanted to do, I did communications as a okay. bachelor's degree okay, and a minor in theater arts. I wanted to kind of be that um, that guy on like the six o'clock news. Oh, so you wanted to be on the news? I wanted to be on the news. I wanted to be a TV news broadcaster. Okay. I wanted to be a local news broadcaster. But as you mentioned, like life has a funny way of pushing you in a, in a kind of a different direction. And so... I always tell people that I had two experiences in college, one in undergrad and one in grad, that pushed me down to the place where I feel like I live my professional life at the intersection of social work, politics, and philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And so the first one was when I had um, so that's my sophomore junior year. I had just joined my fraternity, uh, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, and you know a lot of what their focus is on besides the partying and the the step shows and things like that, Mm -hmm. is they're really community service driven. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was the first opportunity I had as a 18, 19 year old to step off of Pitt's campus Mm -hmm. and go into the Hill District and go into Homewood and go into parts of South Oakland. And I was able to see people who look like me that, again, didn't have those same access to opportunities. And at that point is when I was like, okay, I have an opportunity to do something about it. So I said, I'm going to dedicate my life to a life of service. And I want to go into a helping profession. And so I kind of, I still graduated with my communications degree because I was a junior. By that time, I had to finish. Mm-hmm. But I said, I, wanna, I want to continue my education, further my education in a way where I can gain some skills um, academically that can help me to um, be a better advocate for people and to help people. And so that's how I kind of fell in, into social work um and then in the program the, the msw program my second experience is what pushed me into kind of politics which was it had to be in 2011 it was my second semester of my first year of a two-year program mm-hmm. at pitt and then in 2010 in november then governor corbett uh, governor corbett was the republican governor before the current governor tom wolf he had just gotten elected and in January or February, as every governor um, does every year, they give their proposal, proposed budget for the state of Pennsylvania, and all the things that they want to spend across the Commonwealth. And one of the first things that he said he wanted to do was cut the budget for higher education, for colleges and universities, mm-hmm. and all the college universities across the state were in uproar. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like a, it was like, it was almost as if like God wiped the crust out of my eyes, and I could see for the first time like realize that there are people who are in these positions who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't understand what we're going through our plight, that are making decisions every day about our quality of life. And for me, I realized that that budget cut to to Pitt meant that my tuition was gonna go up. Mm -hmm. And so it impacted me directly, which meant that somebody who graduated from that program just a year before was going to get the same degree I was gonna get, but they're gonna pay less for it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think think that was right. So that's kind of why I, I realized that I wanted to, at that point, either put myself at the decision making table, or as close to the decision making table as I possibly can. So that was one of the. It.
0: So that was one of the seeds that kind of uh, inspired inspired you to go in that direction. Yeah,
1: and, and then trying to trying to marry and bridge this gap between social work, because I'm, I'm a social worker at heart. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to help people, and social work and politics, mm-hmm. and kind of. And when I would tell people I'm a social workers working in politics, like. Those two don't make any sense. <laughs> like social work is about actually helping people. Politics is about all this nonsense that goes on that we see on, on TV. But for me, they're both helping professions. And the way I bridge the gap is, is realizing that in social work, you're, you're an advocate. You're an advocate for your clients. You're an advocate for the people that, that you serve. And, and and politics is a helping profession too. Like, I see politicians or elected officials if they do it the right way they are social workers with a different level of influence mm-hmm. because you represent people you are their eyes and their ears and their voice um in, in certain realms and certain aspects and so you are an advocate for the people that you're supposed to represent so that's how i kind of try to bridge the gap and i just you know realized how policy impacts people's everyday life mm-hmm. right I, and i talk to people and they're like oh, i don't like politics i don't i don't like to get into it you know it's messy it's this as that which it is but it's almost, it's almost unavoidable like no matter no matter what you do we all are living in a society where there's laws there's rules there's regulations we're all governed by something no matter what industry you're in policy is going to impact that in some way shape or form mm. and so just tra- just trying to you know make that connection and realizing that for me as a social worker looking at it from a macro perspective macro level social work policy fits within that because you're putting out policy prescriptions, that's going to impact a large group of people. So that's kind of how I, you know, got into the social work and um, politics. And so there was a moment where I, you know, I just needed to step away from politics for for a time. Mm -hmm. So why was that? You know, I loved, um, when I was in it, I loved being able to help people who felt like they couldn't help themselves or they exhausted all their options. And I could do something as simple, you know, as pick up a phone and call somebody and get their situation solved and to them i like save the world but Mm -hmm. to me i was just doing my job so i love that that piece of it Mm -hmm. um but i didn't like the politics of politics yeah (laughs) right so they they say it's like um it's like making sausage right so you know yeah you remember me saying this yeah so 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 people like the you know you grill sausage up you you eat it it, the flavors it tastes good but if people really knew what went into making a sausage Mm -hmm. they would have a second they would think twice about actually eating it because it's all that nonsense. So in politics, it's a lot of backdoor deals, it's a lot of behind the scenes negotiations. Sometimes things are already determined before they even come to the public, right? And so so for me as a social worker, it was challenging to see, to see stuff like that. And, and you know, to ha- sort of have my moral compass challenged mm-hmm. was difficult for me, so I had to take a step back. And I said, okay, I want to challenge myself in another kind of arena, and that's how I. I kind of fell into philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And so I worked as a program officer for three, about three and a half years Mm -hmm. at a local foundation where I was able to continue my passion for people and and social work, but from um, a a less direct service type of way. Mm -hmm. So as a program officer, I was responsible for giving out grants as I mentioned earlier, to different nonprofit organizations and particularly African American Mm -hmm. organizations here in Allegheny County to help them carry forth their mission, um, to provide them with the resources that they need to provide direct services to the community. Mm -hmm. So it it was a very very rewarding experience. Um, It allowed me to understand how much of a role uh, philanthropy plays in Mm -hmm. western Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. There's millions and hundreds of millions of dollars just to get circulated around um, here. And you know, it was a, an invaluable experience for me. And so I wanna take all of those experiences um, that I've had and then kind of come back full circle to, to the politics, especially because the look at what's going on in the climate right now um, in our society, not just at a federal level, but even here um, locally in Pittsburgh, there's a lot of um, change that's happening. There's a lot of shift shifts that are going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, again, need people who, are willing to one challenge the status quo absolutely um, that that exists here in, in Pittsburgh. You know, I always tell people I'm not afraid to shake up some trees mm-hmm. because sometimes they, they need to be shaken up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and two, you know, provide people with um, representation that actually works for them, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. So real quick, so what was it about?
0: Mm-hmm. What Or what was the best experience
1: that you got out uh, of doing the philanthropy? Um, you know, being able to. Give a grant to an organization and then being able to come back, like as the grant is kind of the cycle is ending, mm-hmm. and being able to see the impact, being able to actually do site visits and see the program and know that you know I had a role in you know approving this grant so they can have the funding. You know, you go to there and you see the kids running around having a good time, they're mm-hmm. in a safe space, or you see. Um, kids who are learning especially like young black kids who are learning like coding Mm -hmm, um, learning how to build websites learning how to do apps and things like that Um, or you see um, young kids who are are learning like leadership development skills and Mm -hmm. learning how to you know do a resume or learning how to do an interview and learning how to tie a tie and and I I think for me just just knowing and I don't I don't not type person where I want to take credit for anything I'd rather be kind of behind the scenes and that's what I was able to do. Mm-hmm. But then when I would go, it just brings a smile to my face. It's like, I, okay, I, I, I feel like I'm, I am I, I did a good good deed and a good job because you know, this kid who may never know that I had something to do with this program being offered to them, they're gonna have a better quality of life because I sat down and said, okay, well, we wanna support your organization because I know you're doing good work and I know you need the money to be able to do um, the direct service in the community. So I, 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 for me, it was just very rewarding to be able to see the byproducts mm. and the results of going through the process of reading, reviewing applications, approving them, and actually seeing them being implemented.
0: Nice, yes. so you took a little break from out of politics, got into philanthropy for, you say, about three years? For oh, three years. Three okay, times. and then you, you want to get back into politics.
1: So what inspired you to want to get back into it? So, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So. And this is a a simple answer and, you know, it's gonna sound cliche or textbook, but it really is how I feel. And, you know, the same thing that motivated me to get into social work in the first time, um, the same thing that motivated me to get into philanthropy, the same thing that's motivated me in politics, and that's people. You know what I mean? That that, that really is being able to hear people's stories about the challenges and the struggles of reality that, that people are going through and knowing that, okay, I have a, a platform and a position in a sphere of influence where I can make somebody's life a, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So for me it's like okay, I'm always looking for what is that platform for me to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so <clears throat> for me coming back and running for a state representative's office, I I've, I've had some experience in working in the office. Um, like that, so I kinda understand how politics works here locally in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. as well as how it works at the the Capitol in Harrisburg. So I I have that experience, and I've just seen so many ways on how that can really, um, you know, move people beyond their current conditions, Mm -hmm. and for me, again, it goes back to what I feel like it's it's my responsibility, um, because I've had so many opportunities, I've been able to have a great education, come to Pittsburgh, have a great quality education, high education. I've been able to always have gainful employment, mm-hmm. right? I've I've I became a first-time home buyer at the age of 27. Nice, right? So not, and I, I realize that not everybody has those or has had those same opportunities. So now, if I have a chance to create that
0: mm-hmm. for
1: somebody else, mm-hmm. um, even, and I realize that me being where I'm at right now, there's a lot of people who came before me that I will never see in my life. People back, you go back to the civil era time where um, um, well, civil rights time where people make sacrifices that allowed me to have these opportunities. So right. for me, it's like, okay, I need to sacrifice and do something so kids, you know, two generations from now that I will never meet. So you can pay it forward. Can pay it forward, can have a, a better life. And then they can, re- but for them to understand, like I'm here because somebody else, I'm standing on somebody else's shoulders. Right. And so then then they can continue to pay it forward. It's like, it's a cycle. Right, so uh, something interesting. So for somebody that may be watching that may
0: be interested in maybe getting into politics uh, and they may be uh kind of double dutching with it right now they're not quite sure if they want to yeah. get into it um and you know from you, you you got into it you got out and got back into it again what would you say um with somebody that is thinking about getting into politics what do you think their their mindset should be going into it or what are some good um things that they should do mm-hmm.
1: to be able to get themselves into that into that line of work so I'll, I'll say a, a few things that f- first I would say um, know your intentions Like don't mm-hmm. don't go into it for the wrong reasons right if you're not going that's what in, I was kind of hitting that if you're if you're not going into it to, to help people one one, people can see through it. Mm-hmm. People can see if if, if you're disingenuous, mm-hmm. and you know, d- don't think because you may have a degree or or, that, or you have certain experiences that it just automatically qualifies you for the position. Because the reality of it is, when you when I'm going around talking to people and in the community, just everyday citizens, people don't care. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Right. I right. See, yeah. And so and so you can say I have all these degrees. I have I worked at this place, this place, and I'm I'm the I'm the person, but. If, if they can't tell that you actually care enough to give a damn about them, mm-hmm. they ain't gonna support you, right? So so don't go into it thinking that you, you know, you're going to you know Gain this following or you're gonna be famous or you're going to do whatever if your intention is not pure Don't do it mm-hmm. one because I don't want I don't want to call you a colleague because mm-hmm. you, you're in the wrong profession right um, and And you know after that I, I would say you, you, You're gonna have to have some tough skin. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not it's not for people who have thin skin or can't take can't take um, you know, some pushback or some ridicule or some critique or criticism, because that comes with the territory. the The reality of it is, when you represent a large group of people, you every time you're not going to be able to make everybody happy. At the same time, there's always going to people be people who are going to be um, critical of you, and they're going to call you out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if if you can't handle that then it's, you're probably not gonna be in the right profession. That, now that is if you want to actually be the elected official run for office. Mm-hmm. Now what I tell people is, a lot of times when they think about politics, they think about just that one thing. But it's, it's the same thing like in sports, right? And if, if you want to be in sports, you want to be a basketball player or a football player, the chances of you actually making it into the league are are Very like slim, slim. to none. Right, slim to none. But don't let that don't let that be your limited perspective. Like that's the only thing you can do in sports. You can do sports management. You can be a, a athletic manager. You can be um, on, on on the radio or on TV in sports. So you can still be connected to it, without so having industry, to be, without having to be the face of it. Right. right. So same thing with politics. I tell people, and, and, and this is you know. Well, Bothers, I don't say it bothers me, but it, it gives me some, you know, cause for concern when I talk to people like, hey, do you are you interested? Would you want to be get involved in politics? A lot of times people find the first thing to do is find reasons why they don't want to get into it versus finding reasons why they should get into it. Right? A lot of people say, Oh, I can't do it because of this, or I can't do it because of that. But they they're thinking about me you running for office. But you can be a, a legislative assistant. You can be a staff person for elected official, you don't have to be the face of it. you don't have to carry all the or the blunt all the brunt of it. You can work on campaigns, right? So you can you can you know knock on doors for somebody that you believe in. Um, you can work on policy. So if you're one of those people who are like you know book smart people and, and you you still want to help people, you can write policies um, mm-hmm. for legislators. So there's there's different things with within government and politics that that you can you can get involved in that aren't just being the elected official. And I will argue that so, a lot of times, the staff people of elected officials are really the ones who have a lot of influence mm-hmm. because um, a lot of times, in order to get to the elected official, you have to go through their staff. Like you have to have build relationships with their staff and their staff kind of open access to the elected officials. So there's, there's different things. If people are interested in it, my, my first recommendation would be to um, volunteer on a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, go you know, find somebody that you believe in, what, what their vision and their mission is for the, for the area that they want to represent that you live in. And go knock on some doors and, and get to get to know people who are your neighbors and then kind of get a feel for that and maybe that will open up an opportunity for you to maybe intern for them or become a staff or something like that so there, there's ways that you can kind of get into it and kind of like dip your toe in it to see if you, yeah. you like it and then kind of back out if, if you realize it's not for you
0: nice okay so let's talk about your campaign a little bit gonna <laughs> sure. get into you know the portion of what you're doing now and uh, yeah. some of the goals that you're looking to accomplish at this moment in time so how is the campaign going right now for you
1: The campaign is going very well, very well. We are, you know, exceeding, we're meeting and exceeding expectations um, right now. And, you know, just trying to push forward. Um, And I tell people all the time, like, I I am not necessarily a politician. I'm a regular social worker, everyday person. And so the things that I want to see in, you know, in communities and neighborhoods are things that people want to see, right? We want to see good quality education for kids. We want to see, um, you know, employment opportunities for people. We want to see good transportation. Um, we we want to see um, people being able to stay in their neighborhoods um, as development comes to certain areas. So, mm-hmm. so, so for me, it is being able to articulate that our vision for the district is the vision that, that people want. And we're offering representation, like I said, that actually works for people. So one of the big issues that, that we're seeing right now is we're knocking on doors and going to different community events and talking with people is in and it's a Pittsburgh region thing mm-hmm. as well, not just in my in my district, it's this this challenge of um, you know, people are fearful right now that they are going to get cleansed from their neighborhoods through the means of economics. Right? As development is coming to different areas and different segments and neighborhoods across the city, people are concerned that they're not gonna be able to afford to live here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and so as Pittsburgh is shifting and it is um, becoming more of a meds and eds, technology kind of yeah, town. Yeah, definitely tech. Um, and and <laughs> you know, I, I tell people one of my things is I don't want to be in Pittsburgh in ten and fifteen years, and we're, we're trying to a- answer the same questions, right? And, and right. same challenges. And we have a Pittsburgh where half the people are living like the Jetsons, and the other half are living like the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what we have right now. Yeah. Right. P- people are people are really struggling, but other people are taking off, and they're and they're catching that that wave. But others are getting left behind, right? And so, you know, for me, trying to think about this this um, cognitive dissonance or or tension between how do you build people and how do you build place at the same time, mm. right? Because it's it's complex um, and it's it's very nuanced. Right? Me as a social worker, I'm always trying to build people. I'm always trying to give them the tools that they need to adapt to society. Mm. But also, I, I understand that. Um, neighborhoods need to be invested in, and a lot of times these neighborhoods that are in my district just don't get the investment that other neighborhoods do. Mm-hmm. So we want to invest in them, we want to build them up, we want them to look like they're in the 21st century. Right. Uh, we we don't want to have blight in our communities. We want to have businesses in, in there, but you know we also don't want to displace people. Right. right. Because you 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 look at displacement and gentrification, but you also have to take into consideration um, what that does for. Poverty concentration, mm-hmm. right? So when you move people who are low income because they can no longer afford it um, to other neighborhoods, then you start to have those neighborhoods then have that issue of everybody in there is low income or they're or they're impoverished, right? And we we know from data and statistics that when you have neighborhoods and communities that everybody is impoverished, you know you start to have you start to see more challenges. You start to see. Um, a, the, the quality of education um, in those neighborhoods is not as good. The after school programming is, is not necessarily the same. Um, the, the rates of crime go up because people are, are, are don't have a good education, so they're underemployed or they're unemployed. You have overly policed um, neighborhoods because the crime is higher. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and this is what I always tell people, one of the reasons why I wanted to get in politics and why I love it is because I don't have to necessarily be an expert on any single subject right so i don't have to just focus on education i don't have to just focus on transportation or jobs or, or safe communities because what i realize is that all of these things are you know you look at the social and economic forces that create opportunities for success for people all of them are interconnected they the reinforcing mm. right so you you can't you I, I can't just think about being an advocate for education and quality education without thinking about um you know crime in, in in neighborhoods or think about development in neighborhoods or having housing in neighborhoods because if if you don't have the quality housing in neighborhoods people aren't going to want to move to those communities and right. if people aren't moving to those communities then they're not paying they're, they're they're not paying the taxes to help the grow the tax base to go back into the public edu- education system or people are choosing to move out into the suburbs because they know that the education system is not as strong as it is um, in the suburbs as it is in, in not as strong in the city as it is in the suburbs. So all all of these things are 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 connected. You look at development when it comes to communities, um, and you're building, you know, condominiums or you're building multi-purpose, multi-use um spaces, you have you can't do that without thinking about transportation because you want to have it on a main transportation line so people can get to and from there. So all of these things if you're, uh, your core competency is one thing, it's also going to be impacted by something else. Mm-hmm. And in politics and in being elected official, you kind of have your hand in all those things. So you right. can kind of see that chessboard from like a, a higher view, so you can realize how to connect the dots and move the pieces around a little bit.
0: Is there any one particular issue that you want to conquer in, uh, over all the other ones that you feel
1: like will benefit other people the most? It's, it's, it's uh, That's difficult. Um to really say, because I, I value every every issue. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's at hand, but for me, I, I think it goes back to, for because education is so important to me, you know, I, I always say that education, quality education should be ubiquitous, right? Mm-hmm. So it should be no matter what your zip code is, no matter where you live, you should be able to have a, a great quality education. So whether right. you live in Upper St. Clair or you live in the Hill District, right? you know what I mean, you, you should have, you know, the newest technology, you shouldn't have outdated textbooks, right? Right. Um, you know, teachers should feel um, like the environment is comfortable for them to be able to teach. Students should feel like the environment is comfortable for them to be able to learn, mm-hmm. right? You don't get that. Like, there's, there's a disparity in, in, in some schools. And so, for me, and I've been in, in schools and the environment and the culture is, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, it's one where learning is really... Um, being fostered right because they're dealing with so many of other issues and so just trying to think about how do you invest in quality you know public education so that you know students who grow up in a certain zip code um have the same opportunity as somebody who grows grows up in a zip code where they're more affluent mm-hmm. right so somebody that that doesn't have a lot of money doesn't necessarily is not forced down this pathway of not not having certain um, successes in life and so for me one of the big things is universal um, pre-k full day pre-k um, because you know you understand trying to get get to the kids early mm-hmm. befo- uh, you know, oh, yeah. be- before they start to like have certain perceptions or certain thoughts about you know who they are and, and, and what's you going wanna on. You want to start to mold that in yeah, great good influence yeah, on it. Yeah so you want them to enter into kindergarten and first grade socially emotionally cognitively um, prepared and so you know quality education For me, you know, I understand how it was was so vital to my success and me being where I am and accomplishing things that I've been able to do that I I think that we need to invest in those type of educational opportunities where kids can be able to have, um, you know, be whatever they want to be. If Mm. they want to be a teacher, they can be a teacher, right? But that also means that we need to support the teachers who are in school so that kids can see people who look like them. Right. right? Kids can—or— you know for me I always like to go out and speak to students at different schools and say okay look you you know here here are other career opportunities that you may not have even known existed when I was their age I didn't know what philanthropy was right I didn't know what a, what a foundation was um, but somebody exposed me to that and, mm-hmm. and I was able to use that to um you know to do some really good things so just trying to think about how do we you know get to these kids at a young age so that their perception isn't controlled by what they just see in their environment. Right. They realize that, you know, they can be anything that they really want to be.
0: Absolutely. So moving forward in like the next, you know, couple years, you know, yeah. some of the big goals that you're looking to accomplish. where do you see yourself in the next year, two years, five years from well, now? Well hopefully I'm a state representative. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the big goal. <laughs> that's the big goal. That's the big goal, state state representative. Uh-huh. Um
1: so so yeah, so 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 for me, I again I wanna continue down this, this path of uh, government and politics just because I, I understand the the impact that it that it can have so um you know and it, it's one of those things here that especially in western pennsylvania but I, I get this a lot of times is that I'm too young to run or you know it's supposed to wait your turn type of thing I don't mm-hmm. really I don't really um it, it that's not a that's not a, a model that necessarily fits well with me. Right. Right. And, and so, but I also hear a lot of times this false narrative that young people aren't interested in, in, in what's going on around us. We're really self-centered. We're in this instant gratification kind of society. And I kind of want to be the, the, the antithesis to that narrative. And I want to show that young people care about what's going on. They want to get involved. And hopefully I can motivate and encourage other young people to say, okay, well, you know, because a lot of times we believe in what we can see. Right. Mm-hmm. O- outside of religion. Of course, we can believe in what we can see, but when you start to see people who look like you that are doing things that you never thought about, then it can motivate motivate you to do that. Um, so, so I want to kind of continue down this path in politics because you don't really see a lot of people who look like us Right. that are doing it. A lot of times, this this field and industry is dominated by older, gray-haired white men. Right. This is called this is called what it is. Yeah. Right. And and but they get to make decisions about everybody. Right. So 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 for me, you know, that is my. I guess for the uh, for the near future, uh, one to continue to my way down politics, um, I, I would love to you know run for a higher office at some point if the opportunity presents itself. Like Western Pennsylvania has never had an African American state senator, right? Let alone never had an African American mayor, right? Right. So you have you have places like down the deep South, like the most sort of Republican thinking areas or. They have had African American mayors of their cities. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh, who was supposed to be a progressive city, so they say, a progressive city, but progressive, certainly, it means something different to different people, mm-hmm. right? So, it's supposed to be a progressive city, but you haven't had, um, you know, really the diversity, and not just in, in government and politics, but across the board, in the for-profit sector, and the non-profit sector. Pittsburgh is, is this um, old boy network kind of town. And it's hard to kind of um, crack that that ceiling to get to get through, and so if I again, if I can use my platform in the political world, then even open up opportunities in other sectors in the for-profit sector, in the business sector, in the nonprofit sector, then I'm then I want to use that to be able to you know again. Make sure that Pittsburgh really is living up to its principles and its ideals of being progressive and diverse and inclusive of, of everybody. So, you know, I, politics is is what it is for me for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm always open to whatever is the best platform that I can use to, to help people. Nice. <coughs>
0: yeah, I mean, and this what this is platform is all about. i mean Absolutely. bringing on you know accomplished guests that are making moves and people who are movers and shakers trying to make a positive impact on the community Thank and you. be able to. Um, share their work and be able to reach uh, people that they may have not been able to reach before mm-hmm. so uh, I mean that that's what this is all about so um, do, What's the the legacy, you know that you see for yourself? I mean you are still we both still young men yeah. um, So but, but where do you see like your legacy going mm-hmm. in the future or what's like the message that you really want to get across to people? um whenever you encounter them like what's the the meaning that you really would like to get across to people
1: yeah so so that's a great question so f- for legacy and, and i i do this on my um on my my, my social media like my twitter mm-hmm. um, page it, it has um something that i put on there that your legacy is not determined by what you do what you did yesterday but rather by what you do today right so it's not just about what you've done in the past every day is an opportunity for you to build that reputation for you to build that legacy so don't just dwell on something you you accomplished you know yesterday or ten five year, five or ten years in the past and let that define who you are because every day is a new opportunity um to to define your legacy and and the mark you want to leave on society right and so for me every day i you know i don't tweet that that much Mm -hmm. um, but i have a daily tweet I, no matter if that's the only tweet that I do that day I, I um, say be better today than you were yesterday mm-hmm. that simple hashtag daily tweet mm-hmm. and, and, and for me it's just a constant reminder that says okay uh, you know I I have an opportunity now that both my feet hit the ground this morning when I wake up to just be a better human being in every aspect of what I'm doing today mm-hmm. and for me that's that's you know part of what I want my legacy to be but I you know when I look back at it, I probably want to be known as um, a man of vision and a man of purpose, mm-hmm. right? So somebody that that understood um, and, and was a forward-thinking person that had the the the, the thirty thousand up level of of a vision and can see kind of that bigger picture, and then navigated you know, the certain pieces to be able to get people um, through that vision, and then somebody that that they can say he had a purpose in life, like he. He sacrificed a lot so that other people after him would be able to, you know, have opportunities. And you know, when I always talk to, particularly young people, you know, I tell them it, it's okay to be different, right? A lot of times people get ridiculed or made fun of because they're different, right? But I'll, I always tell people like, don't allow somebody else's opinion of you to define um, your reality mm-hmm. and who you are, because. You know, there's haters out there. People will right. say, say whatever they want to say about you, especially as you become a successful people will say, Oh, they didn't deserve that. What did they do? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you can't let that like affect you in, right. in the past. You have right. to to some degree ignore the ignorance. Right. I don't mean to cut you off, but oh, yeah. one of the things
0: that um as you were talking that I always think about when, to your point of people, you know, you know, they feel like they're different. Um mm-hmm. one of the things I always say is use your difference. To make a difference. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean. So I mean, if you feel like you're different, you have a unique take on things that mm-hmm. other people can't really do. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, like I, I, always think
1: of it as you know, if you're different, use your difference to make a difference. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, 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 really hope that people, when it's all said and done, that people will look back at my career, my what I've done, and say, you know, Ariane, he wasn't perfect, but he cared enough to give a damn about people. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can see see it through his actions um and, and, and any advice that i would give to um and i give this to young people all the time is <clears throat> you know keep a small circle right that's Don't, interesting yeah, why is that keep a small circle um especially as you are kind of becoming accomplished certain things people want to tag on to your success for, for the wrong reasons mm, noticed right? that as well. and so it, it's like you know it's almost like um don't 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 ride in the car and let somebody ride shotgun. That ain't got no gas money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they just want right. to go on a trip with you. They right. they want to get to your destination right. with you, but right. well, they, they they ain't give no no gas money. So right. it's like it's like surround yourself, one, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, so you you can learn from. Them, but keep it keep it tight, and and, and and keep it in a sense where, you know, surround yourself with people who have just as much to lose as you do, who have something at risk. That, that you do because if you if you're dealing circling yourself around with people who have nothing to lose mm-hmm. they'll do they'll 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 make decisions that aren't in your best interest mm-hmm. and and it'll impact you negatively mm-hmm. right if if they have nothing to if they have nothing to risk then they're they don't understand kind of the 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 effort and the time and the commitment that it takes for you to get where you need to be mm-hmm. and so it's it's almost like you know we all go through stages of development in our life. Um, where you realize that at some point you can't do the same things you did in high school, right? Oh, yeah. So, you, right. Can, so you, you can't be hanging around people. I mean, we all know people in our lives that, mm-hmm. that they still do the same things that we did when yep. we were in high school. Yeah. Right? we, you, you can't hang around those those people all the time anymore. You got to keep that that circle tight because if they have nothing to lose, they'll be more reckless, right? And, it, and it'll impact you. People who who have something to lose, they they they're not impulsive. Right. They think twice about their decisions. They think about both the intended and the unintended consequences. Right. Not only how it's going to impact them, but how it's going to impact the people around you. So those are the people you want to you want to, you want to be absolutely. around. Absolutely. People who are like-minded right. as you, people who are going places like you're trying to go places. Right,
0: absolutely, and to your point, I mean, and we can get on this a little bit more, because this mm-hmm. is a topic that excites me a little bit. Um, You know, as far as like the people that you surround yourself with, I I feel like, you know, you definitely are going to have people that are still doing the, the same things that they've done when they're in high school. and. I I mean, that's going to happen, but yeah. I feel like, you know, you can still be friends with them, still um, have a connection with them, um, but always try to add on people of influence that are in life where you want to be, or they're, like to your point, you know, uh, or, you know, are smarter than you, or just, they're just, they have a... Um, a big dream or just a a greater thought process. I mean, one of the great things that I love about doing this show, a great benefit for me is I get the chance to sit down with great people and build up relationships and things like that. So uh, even just doing this, just uh, having an inner circle of people that are, making big moves or just doing great things uh, and finding out what their mindset are and just bumping arms with those kind of people is highly beneficial. Absolutely. Um, I, I highly recommend people, you know, maybe even go to networking events or uh, or even just, you know, maybe connecting somebody, uh, connecting with somebody on social media. Um, and But do it the right way. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and and try to just build up relationships with people that are, you know, in life where you want to be or just, you know, have a, a great mindset and just doing things uh that you feel like you can Mm. collaborate with them with so um you know i I love that a lot um so heaven and and it's always like six people i mean because when you said a small circle and it's always like six people that influence you the most Mm. so if you can have six people in your life that are are influencing you and, and influencing your mindset in a positive direction, you want to try to always mm-hmm. improve yeah. that
1: inner circle. So, mm-hmm. um, I think you made and, a, a lot of good points. And you and and they they say you are you t- sit down, take a look at your your five six closest friends, uh-huh. and if you think about it, you are a combination of them. You Absolutely, are, you are who you associate with. Exactly, right. And and, and that 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 is the, the one of the realest things. And and so, for me me personally, you know, I'm always about growth. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I. I realized, so I'm I'm getting married at the end of this year. Oh, congrats. August 26th. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. And so (laughs) I realized that now that I'm in a committed relationship, I have a fiance, I can't necessarily go to the club every (laughs) (laughs) Saturday. Right. You know what I mean? So so, so, it was like, I got some responsibilities. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so when my single, Homeboys are hitting me up like, yo, let's go to the club. Let's right. go, these women. We are gonna get some drinks. It's yeah. like, like no, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't yeah. do that. Like <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, but but then, but but you don't want to be offensive to them because they're right. like, oh, you change. You know? Yeah, and it's like, no, nah, but what, I, I should one, I should not be around temptation like that. Like exactly, on, now, that's, that's, yeah, that's not even smart. But yeah, it's not that they I shouldn't happen.
0: even they should understand. Yeah, let's like, yeah, not yeah, even yeah. send the invite. Like, yeah, let's yeah, do but,
1: something else, right? But so so you can't do that. But so so now I'm trying to surround myself with. With with people who are married, mm-hmm. so I can I can glean from them. I can yeah. learn about their experiences or people who are committed in serious relationships. Because exactly. Because it's like if I'm going to take my relationship serious, I need to. I don't know everything, so I, I got to learn something from somebody else. People as, who've been through it.
0: As you're talking, it's like you are who you associate with. And I think yeah. you may have said that, but if not, I mean that's pretty Absolutely. much what it is. Yeah. Um. And uh, there was something I was about to say, but um. Can't remember right now, but it's all good. But um, no, it's all good. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, now I remember, if I, I, one of the things that I said on a, a post on my Facebook not too long ago is like, mm-hmm. if you wanted to make the biggest change, uh, in two thousand eighteen, the biggest thing you need to change is your association. If you change that, uh, if you change that alone, because the the two things that I found that influence your mindset the most, well, actually three things. I'm sorry. Um, the people you associate with, the books you read, and the things that you listen to. So that's actually one of the reasons why I got into media because, oh, and uh, number four would be visuals too because you got pictures and things like that. So those four things influence you the most. So if you're not, you know, aware of your surroundings or the Mm -hmm. thing that people are speaking into your life and what people are saying and what they're doing, like, and you're you're just careless around the the people that are around you, those things are going to rub on you without you even knowing it. And so you, I mean, so if people want to truly make change mm-hmm. in their life, they got to change their association they're around or, or just evaluate the people around them. Because, uh, what I have found is that, you know, you, you are the people you associate yeah, with so they, at the end of the day. So, yep. But uh, yeah, we could go on and on. Uh, yeah, sure, so yeah, I know yeah. we're limited on time. So okay. um, just in uh, wrapping up, where would be the best place where people can uh, reach you or get in contact with you if they wanted to do an internship or help with the campaign or anything like that?
1: Absolutely. I don't know if you can uh, like put a website at the oh, bottom Yeah, we, or we, right yeah, there, we can do that. My name is not the easiest to, to spell. You know <laughs> so, Right. So my website is, is votearionabney.com. So www.votearionabney.com. Okay. And they can go on there. They can learn about the vision, the platform. They can learn a little bit more about me and my background. Um, they can sign up to volunteer. They can donate, right? It <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> takes take, 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 take money to, yeah. be able to do it, so they can donate. They can volunteer. Um, they can, you know, sign up so we can have their email so we can constantly, as as we're moving forward in the campaign, they can stay updated. Also, they can go onto our Facebook page. So it's um, Facebook.com backslash Ariane Andrew Abney, and you'll see our um, the campaign political page. Um, also, I'm on Twitter, triple A two. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, atypical underscore. Okay. So so we're all on all the so- social media uh, platforms. Um, the website is up. We, you know, we, we definitely will, will need some volunteers. This is a really grassroots campaign. We're going to need people to help knock on doors, help to get petitions, <coughs> um, help to pass out, you know, flyers and literature, people to work the day of election. So it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot to do. It's a lot of planning and organizing. So we need all hands on deck, all the support that, that we possibly can get.
0: Nice. And I definitely, you know, what I like about doing these episodes is like this is almost like a time capsule. So in like maybe a year from now, we can actually look back on this episode and be like, oh, I said that and and I accomplished those things too. So um, um, we can definitely uh, in a year, two years from now, we can actually do a recap video um, and uh, see where you're at at that point in time. So I definitely appreciate you being on the show. definitely appreciate the conversation. Um, I definitely want to be able to continue to build on this relationship and Mm -hmm. uh, continue to see your journey because I'm definitely excited to see where you're going. So um, I uh, appreciate um, the viewers that are watching too Hopefully um, people that are watching They get a lot of value out of Absolutely. it too So uh, as we wrap up as you uh, Now that you know what Ariane does with his 24 hours I want to know what you do with your 24 hours Definitely like, subscribe, turn on notifications And we will see you On the next episode Next Friday